Welcome to Why Did I Do That, a podcast made by teens to introduce psychology in a more accessible way for teens of all backgrounds. I'm Lauren. And I'm Yusra. We are two high schoolers from Northern California, and we're super psyched to share our excitement of psychology to other teens. You know that trend sometimes on social media where people are testing how much they've been impacted by something called the Mandela effect? This is basically a filter on TikTok or Instagram. I forgot which one, but it shows two pictures each time of something like Pikachu. And we select the picture based on if we think Pikachu had that zigzaggy black color at the end of his tail or if his tail was just fully yellow. Hmm, I have not heard of that trend, but I honestly believe that his tail had a zigzaggy black color, and I may or may not still believe it. Yeah, that's what I thought too, but it turns out his tail is actually fully yellow. No. Yeah, I was so shocked by that, because for some reason I always thought of him as also having like the black color at the end Mm -hmm. of the tail. But this is exactly what the Mandela effect is. It started when Nelson Mandela died in prison, supposedly, in the 1980s. But this was actually untrue. However, people such as Fiona Broom, who called herself a paranormal consultant, came up with this term because they all thought that Mandela had died in prison, but he actually died in his home in 2013. It is so freaky, the fact that people were so confident about his death, even though he was alive for another, what, three decades? And yeah. It's kind of insane. But then again, that's the extent of the Mandela effect. For me, I do remember him dying in 2013, but also in prison for some reason. So I feel like I've heard of him like dying in prison somewhere. So because of Mr. Mandela, this is how the Mandela effect was coined by Fiona Broom. This effect is when a person or group has a shared false memory. The Mandela effect is actually found to be pretty popular on the internet because it sheds light on how techoscience culture has influenced our human memory, belief, and cognition. And cognition is just our brain's action of processing information through experiences and senses. So an example of a really well-known type of Mandela effect is the visual Mandela effect. So this is where people report seeing a different version of an original image, and this incorrect version is the same across those with this false perception. And this perception is very strong and consistent among people who do see this. So an example of this is where people believe that the Monopoly man had a monocle, and the fact that he didn't is an example of the visual Mandela effect. I thought the Monopoly guy did have a monocle. (laughs) Like, have I been deceived? Honestly, I thought so too. And I've had a lot of exposure to that picture since I used to play it a lot. And Mm -hmm. I had an unhealthy obsession. It was like a family classic. So when I first heard about him not having a monocle, I didn't believe it. And I even looked it up since that's how sure I was. But just like this, a lot of people, even people who have a lot of exposure to the image, are subject to the visual Mandela effect. And one of these reasons are, well, because of schema-consistent errors. 
A schema consistent error is one that aligns with specific expectations of the icon. So for example, Lorne and I believe that the Monopoly Man had a monocle, even though he didn't, because the Monopoly Man is old and it's stereotypical of someone who is old to wear a monocle. I can see now then why I would assume the Monopoly Man's have a monocle. I think it also is, it relates to common sense. So we would think that, you know, something in an image like a monkey, which we're going to get into later, Mm -hmm. but we're going to assume that maybe that picture of a monkey has similar traits to other monkeys. Another example I'm thinking of is C-3PO. So was that like something else you found related to this? It is actually one of the few icons that are affected by the visual mandala effect. Okay, yeah, it's cool how one of the only few like kind of crazy that i thought of that but i remember when i was watching star wars i thought c-3po like his whole body was gold because most of his body is gold but Mm -hmm. then it actually turns out his leg is silver so now that i think back to it i do like vaguely remember him having a silver leg but because the rest of his body is gold, it's kind of easy to assume that his leg would also be gold with that. Exactly, because you're making an assumption on like common knowledge and a stereotype. But this isn't the only factor since schema-consistent errors were only specific and consistent with a few visual icons. Like I mentioned before, there's only five icons that are actually subject to the five. visual. Yes, literally only five, which is really shocking. But it makes sense because if a lot of people are going to perceive it the same way and the same false perception, it makes sense that there's only a few. And mm-hmm. these few being Curious George, Fruit of the Loom logo, the Monopoly Man, the Volkswagen symbol, and C3OB. Schema consistent errors aren't everything though, because if so, we would have many more icons that are susceptible to the visual mandala effect. Curious George's example also drove me crazy because I remember you mentioning Curious George as one of these five images. Um, I remember, though, when a website showed a picture of him with a tail versus without a tail. And I thought to myself, well, duh, he has a tail because he's a monkey and all monkeys have tails. But I was wrong. Don't worry, I'm with you there with that one. That was just you filling in your knowledge with whatever stereotype you have of monkeys. And monkeys do have tails, so you're not wrong there. Okay, it's like you read my mind because that, well, technically, maybe not because I did say it out loud. (laughs) That relates to something called the gist memory effect. And this is Mm. thought to be the most related to the Mandela effect. And it's when you have a general idea of something but can't remember specific details. Many of these gist memories can be used to fit beliefs or knowledge that people already have. So basically me with that prior knowledge about monkeys having tails. So to dig a little deeper into why we do this and the Curious George example, so for many people who recall the original image incorrectly, it may be because of an incomplete perceptual experience. And that's why you and other people fill in gaps with schematic false knowledge, making a false memory. So what we've been talking about is basically schema consistent errors. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's nice to see those concepts blended together with 
the gist memory and also schema consistent errors relating to each other. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice mix and one kind of causes the other. But then again, there's this nice relation between the two. Yeah. Another popular misconception is Alexander Hamilton. Uh, people believe that he was a president. So a lot of us learned about Alexander Hamilton alongside the president during the time of the American Revolution, who was George Washington. To simply explain what happens in our brain when this misconception happens, the knowledge of Alexander Hamilton is stored in the same area of the brain where our knowledge of the U.S. presidents are stored. And this method of being stored is called an engram. And since these memories are very similar to one another, they're associated with one another, also known as a schema. So when someone recalls Alexander Hamilton, it's likely that the neurons are set off in that specific part of the brain, and that's why people could potentially mistake Alexander Hamilton for a president, even though he's just a founding father. Well, not just, but he was a founding father. (laughs) He was much more than a founding Mm -hmm. father, as I believe many people like to think. But I never myself thought of Alex Hamilton as a president, but I Mm -hmm. think especially with the musical Hamilton by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's a king, by the way. Literal king. He made the musical. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the king made the musical really popular. So I can see why many people would think that. No, but I'm with you there. I've never thought of Alexander Hamilton as president either, and I owe it all to the fact that I'm a huge fan of the play Hamilton. So I've never mixed him up with George Washington. But Lauren, I'm dying to know, what are some other potential causes of the strange Mandela effect that might be more persistent than just schema-consistent errors? I did actually do more research on these other factors, But we're going to get into these right after our break. Welcome back from the break. So let's get into some more fascinating and thought-provoking causes of the Mandela effect, shall we? We shall. One of the causes I also found out about was called the Dietz-Rodiger-McDermott task paradigm. It's also called DRM for short, but in this, participants in a study would read a list of words that are similar in meaning. So for example, maybe this list has the words zebra, monkey, snake, whale, and the words of other animals. So then they were asked after reading this list if they remember a certain were word. And this lure word wouldn't actually be on the list. Well, the lure word could be lion. And even though a lion is an animal, it might not have been on the list. And usually the participant does remember seeing the lure word. People can actually remember these false memories from this paradigm for up to 60 days. That- that sounds like something I would do, and I feel like I can mainly owe it to my really bad memory. But then again, mm. if we weren't taking that into account, you did mention that the lure words were words like lion, essentially animals, which is similar to what the original list had, so it would be easy to make that sort of mistake. Yeah, I believe I would remember the lure word because my memory can definitely fail me sometimes. 
Like, I'm the type of person to walk into a room looking for a shirt and then walk out wondering, why did I walk into that room again? After that, I'm like, oh, it's because of my shirt. And sometimes I do just get another piece of clothing, like, pants. <laughs> so I think Even when though you didn't need it? Yeah. Wow. So I think with my obviously perfect memory, I would remember the weird word i am convinced that we're the same exact person because my memory needs the same attention you cannot (laughs) convince me otherwise maybe one day we'll go to memory therapy or something if something Mm -hmm. like that exists maybe because we both seriously need it (laughs) but continuing on with other factors for false memories and by the way this is continuing the drm task paradigm The first cause of this paradigm is a need for complete memories. So basically to fill them in if they don't seem complete or coherent enough. And then the second cause is familiarity. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but it's when you've seen or been exposed to the object of the memory before. So as an example, I feel like I have seen a picture of the Monopoly Man with a monocle before. Like, I won't never deny that. But maybe it was just some edit I saw. Okay, so I do agree that I believe that he had a monocle, but I really don't think I've seen an edit before. I just, I just thought, like I just assumed. I just woke up one day and I knew like the Monopoly Man had a monocle. So... No, I have actually not seen an edit. I don't recall seeing an edit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I just came up with that on my own. Or just like a picture of the Monopoly man haunting you in your dreams. Oh god, that sounds scary. (laughs) No offense, but... Yeah, okay, I don't really want to think about that anymore. I know, right? You're scaring me, Lauren. (laughs) How do you expect me to sleep tonight? Mm. So, the third factor (laughs) is suggestibility. And... This is when you're able to plant false memories. An example would be overhearing a rumor like the Monopoly man did have a monocle or maybe like Yusra, you hear it in your dreams. Why are you so set on the Monopoly man and me? Like, please keep me out of this. I'm starting to get freaked out. Okay, so maybe we'll say overhearing a rumor like Curious George has a tail or just seeing a picture of it. Okay, but in all seriousness... For the suggestibility factor, I think that it really depends on what it's affecting. Like for the visual mandala effect, it might not be as common since you might not hear a rumor like people talking about the Monopoly man, like specifically the icon, (laughs) (laughs) unless it's some very niche specific topic for Mm, whatever reason. Yeah. But it's not mainstream enough to affect someone's memories of it, I think. So I'm doubting that one a little bit. We'll also talk about some social elements later about the Mandela effect. So even though it's not like people in daily conversation talk about the Monopoly Man, um, or maybe I don't know, kind of sounds like your group does. <laughs> Excuse me, you sir, you're in my group. Oh, that is true. Dang, but for suggestibility. Maybe if it's even just one rumor, it could affect how you remember a certain thing. And suggestibility also comes in the form of priming. So if someone asks you, did you get the red ball from the shelf? Versus asking, did you get anything from the shelf? 
The second phrase is more general, and the first phrase describes an actual action. So the first phrase can affect your memory more. It's like setting you up to envision this one thing because it's so specific. Yeah. Interesting. To comment on the second factor we mentioned, familiarity, even though I don't think I've been affected by this, oh. it does affect the visual mandala effect because it's another reason for VME, which is also the visual mandala effect. And it's due to some due to something called source confusion of the memory, excuse me, which mm -hmm. makes sense because if someone saw the non-canical version as well as the canical version of an image, then they can mix up what the original one looks like. By the way, what I mean by canical is the original version of something. So in the context of a movie, if there was a scene that did happen in the movie, then it's canon. Or if there's a couple that gets together in the movie, that's also canon. So you've probably used that term for ships or fan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm going to stop right there. but <laughs> Fan, fill in the blank. <laughs> fill in the blank. Yeah, that also relates to the to the familiarity <laughs> effect, where I feel like I have seen it before. Like the Pikachu example I was talking about earlier, I could have sworn that I've seen Pikachu with the black zigzaggy thing on his tail, but his tail is actually fully yellow. You sound pretty frustrated about this, <laughs> and I you shared it. Frustrated. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is very much justified. But hey, isn't it neat that we're discussing the importance of familiarity in the Mandala Effect and we've covered its relation to attraction in our last episode? Well, I guess familiarity is versatile. Yeah, it seems like it's a pretty important aspect in psychology, one we've definitely gone familiar with. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> hey, you have to admit that was pretty good. Really? No, you don't like corny jokes? Who doesn't love a good dad joke? Oh, yeah. How it's so foolish of me to not appreciate a dad joke. I'm wow. so sorry, you The sarcasm is, <laughs> is, is real. Hmm. It's okay. I forgive you for the joke. I wasn't seeking forgiveness. What makes you assume I was seeking forgiveness? Well, okay, fine. I'll just say from now on, I'll acknowledge that the joke was good mm -hmm. and very appreciated. Well, in all seriousness, there are also social elements, as we were talking about earlier, that relate to the Mandela effect. One of them is ash conformity, and this is when people say they agree with something so they can fit in with a group. This isn't an example related to the Mandela effect, but sometimes if I want the people I'm working with to vote on something, I'll ask them a question like, what do you guys think we should change in our meetings? And maybe the first person says something like, make our meetings on Mondays instead of Fridays. And then everyone agrees after. But then a week later, an officer tells me, yeah, I actually can't make it on Mondays. Could we change the meetings to Thursdays instead? So in my head, I'm like, you literally just agreed to have meetings on Mondays. Did you seriously just vote for Mondays so you could fit in with the other officers? So so you're telling me that they knew initially that they couldn't make it, but they still agreed at the time that they were surrounded by everyone else? Yeah. Okay, in that case, ash conformity sounds like a fancy term for peer pressure. And I'm sure it applies to a wide, 
wide array array i'm sorry wide range of scenarios not just in the classroom again excuse me i'm wearing my retainer things are rough but we're out here living it's okay (laughs) don't worry guys it's just my retainer yeah we're okay we're okay also adding on to that there's something called the misinformation effect that also relates to social elements There is also another social element called the misinformation effect, and this is when memories can change based on experiences that you have later. There were studies showing this where participants would watch an event through slides or video, and then after watching the event, they're given a narrative with some misleading info about the event. So even if they're given warnings that they may have received misinformation, People still tend to believe the misinformation about the event at a rate higher than people who weren't given the misinformation in the first place. People also tend to show a lot of confidence in their Mm. flawed judgments according to these studies. Wait, so although they were told that they'll be receiving false information, they were still so confident that what they received would be correct? (laughs) Sounds a little fishy. But would you say you've experienced this before? Thinking back, actually, I'd say I did. So if you guys don't know Star Wars, there's a famous line in the movie, um, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the movies yet, but Darth Vader says, Luke, I am your father. Or this is what everyone thinks he says. But in reality, he actually said, no, I am your father in the movie. And I remember in fourth grade, or just everywhere in general, everyone was acting that scene out and saying, Luke, I am your father. But that's actually not the correct line. So even though I've watched the movie that has this line myself, I still thought that Darth Vader actually said, Luke, I am your father. That seems reasonable. Yeah. Personally, I've never been affected by this misinformation effect, mainly because I stayed away from mainstream media until I reached middle school, so I've never seen Star Wars. Don't come for me, please. I'm coming for you. (laughs) Please, maybe one day. But um, I find your example to be reasonable again, because even though you watch the actual scene where it said, no, I am your father, everyone everyone else around you was saying one thing, so it's easy to, you know change your perception on what it is that was actually being said. And it kind of relates to the source confusion effect, Um, especially because it's not certain that you're going to remember the exact line from the movie. I think especially because there's a lot of movies in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I can understand why you did that. It's interesting, though, that you've never been affected by that because, well... No, I'm just built different. That's why. No? Okay. (laughs) Well... That's unique, Yusra. Thank you. It makes you who you are today. Thank you. So sweet, Lauren. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing. Whoa! You see, I heard a hint of sarcasm in that, (laughs) but I decided to overlook it and give her the benefit of the doubt. And here, this is what my kindness takes me to. Well, I didn't say it's a bad thing either. Mm, Okay. But with this, we've reached the end of this episode. So today we covered the Mandala effect and its origin with Nelson Mandala's death, its popularity, and an emphasis on its various causes, such as schema-consistent errors, gist memory, DRM task paradigm, ash conformity, 
Oh, and I can't forget, we also covered Lauren's disrespect to my many wonderful, well-thought-out jokes, but I'm not being stingy. You definitely aren't. You see, I can be sarcastic too, Lauren. So you don't think your jokes are wonderful? Oh my god. You know, just continue. We've, we've talked about this. My jokes are great. End of discussion. Okay. We hope you enjoyed and that this episode was able to enlighten you on the popular Mandela effect. Thank you for listening to our episode and for all the support from our viewers as it really does mean a lot to us. If you ever have the time, feel free to leave a review, preferably five star. But again, we're open to any kind of feedback. And once again, don't forget to keep asking yourself, why did I do that? that?